use our Thrive model to say, what's our discipleship pathway? What does it look like to be fully devoted followers of Jesus in our context? And we talk about worshiping God, that's our Sunday services, and being community, that's our, our vineyard community groups during the week, and getting equipped, those are our equipped um, growth groups. And the last thing is called Do the Stuff, and that's from John Wimber, and the reason, our, the founder of the vineyard, and when we talk about doing the stuff, we're talking about getting out there and being in the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And so we put this 12 days of Christmas together, the staff and I did, to help you be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community during this holiday season. So what if all of us did this together? And so if you read on here, day one, Friday, December 13th, make cookies or brownies or bars and deliver them to a neighbor. What if all of us just did that? What if we all did that? Now, for some of you that don't cook or bake or anything like that, we're even okay with you buying prepackaged cookies, putting them on a plate and like putting some saran wrap over it, make them look like they're your own and bring them to a neighbor. It's okay. But but if you can, what if we all did this together? Uh, you look at the next day, day two, uh, make or buy a card and mail it to someone who wouldn't expect it. What if you just wrote a note to somebody that isn't expecting it? So not your relatives, or maybe, maybe you never write your relatives, then they would not expect it, right? <laughs> but what if we went uh, beyond ourselves? Day three, go Christmas caroling with us as a church. Meet at the FBC. We're going to go Christmas caroling here. We're going to go right up and right behind the church here. And we're just going to spread cheer and have a great time together. Uh, day four, go through a drive through and pay for the person behind you. That could be at Starbucks or fast food or whatever. Just go through some drive through Buy some, drive the cheapest thing in the menu and say, I'd like to pay for the person behind me today. And so I want to encourage you guys to jump in, sign up for this thing. Let's do this together as a community. Let's go beyond ourselves this Christmas season, okay? And really, I did this for me because I need to, to help my heart go beyond myself, okay? Um, and then one other thing I want to mention is uh, during announcements, DeBron mentioned that the uh, women's Christmas dinner is December 13th. It's actually December 12th, and there's a flyer in your communicator as well. Okay, well, we're starting a brand new series today, and uh, during this Advent season, we want to take you on the journey traveling to Bethlehem. What did that look like? What did, it, what did it mean? How did it pan out? What did it look like for the main characters? And so today, uh, we're going to talk about Joseph and, um, and his contribution to our Christmas story and that journey to Bethlehem. So, Christmas Day in Hillsborough, California, some friends got together, they did some, they want to do Christmas caroling, and so they went from house to house, and it was wonderful, and everybody was so excited, because a lot of people don't go Christmas caroling anymore, and um, they went from house to house, and they sang songs, and every, they brought cheer to everyone around them, well, and then they stopped by this one house, and this is on Christmas Day, and a lady opened the door, and she just looked frustrated at the whole group. And she said, look, I'm just so busy. I have this horde of people coming to eat dinner tonight, 
and I just have so much to do. If you really want a Christmas carol at my house, you come back at 9 o'clock tonight. She was mean, had this scowl. And um, the only reply from the crowd, because everybody was dumbfounded, was a yes, ma'am, from Bing Crosby. You know, like, White Christmas, Bing Crosby. Um, yeah, she said, she turned down Bing Crosby. <laughs> Sing it at her home. But have you ever missed something? Have you ever missed something? You didn't see it until it's gone. It's like it passes you by. And I think the story of Joseph in the Bible is a lot like this situation. It's, we... We miss Joseph's story, and today I want to unpack Joseph's story with you. Um, the church tends to read right over Joseph's story, and we miss the important impact of his contribution. Uh, Joseph, this good man who learned that his bride-to-be was with child, and he just knew that it wasn't his. Jo just so you know, Joseph doesn't speak one word. He's not quoted one time in the New Testament. He's only mentioned a handful of times in the Bible. Um, the first, the final time we hear from Joseph is when Jesus is 12 years old, and he goes to the temple. And um, after that, we don't hear from him again. Most likely he died between that and when Jesus went into his ministry. Historically, he's overlooked. And for most people, if we're really honest, he's like... A prop in the nativity. See, we have Joseph, but the real story doesn't involve Joseph. It's about all these other characters' lives unfolding. And so we view him as this prop. He's just there. And so today I want to discuss the important role that Joseph had in our this journey to Bethlehem. So if you have your Bibles... Um, Let's turn to Matthew 1. We're going to start in verse 18. And so, if you don't have your Bibles, it's up on the screen. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So let me pray. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we know that families are important. Sometimes they're the source of pain and strife and difficulty. Help us resolve problems and extend love to our families this Christmas season. We love you, Jesus. Amen. One of the best things about the holidays is being with family. One of the worst things about the holidays is being with family. No, I, my mom and my brother are here. We love, we love it. It's been great. Um, but how many at Thanksgiving, and I didn't do this, just so you know, Mom. Um, but how many at Thanksgiving looked around and said, I must have been... Adopted. Are you what? <laughs> Did you do that? Um, there must have been a mix-up at the hospital. What is this? Actually, I heard all these reports 
the leading up to Thanksgiving Day, when I was flip, flipping through the radio, all these reports about how to be kind to your relatives um, during Thanksgiving dinner. And they had all these ideas on how not to bring up certain topics, including politics and, and everything else, like how to just get along with each other and not have a terrible Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, there's a fit, all these reports I, uh, that I heard. And now we just got through Thanksgiving, and now we're going to spend a whole bunch more time because Christmas is right around the corner. Unfortunately, holiday time with the family can be tough. We know too much. We forgive too little. And to be really honest, we're harder on family than we are on anyone else. Have you noticed that in your life? We're harder on the people that are closest to us than people that are a little farther away. And I want to read to you a story of someone who hated the holidays. He hated Christmas and he hated his family. Uh, author Robert Morgan tells a story of a boy named Lindsay. And here's what author Robert Morgan says. Because of a dysfunctional family, Christmas was never an easy time. His father was distant and severe. On the holidays, Lindsay was forced to work even harder around the family farm than normal. His dad gave him extra chores and beat him if he didn't perform up to his father's ex expectations. Even worse than the floggings were the insults and belittling put-downs. For some reason, Christmas, at Christmas time, the name-calling intensified, and even though Lindsay grew up and left home, the memories of his traumatic childhood hung with him. Member, Decembers were especially difficult. It took its toll on his life. One friend described Lindsay's sad story this way. He was never able to find happiness. He became a hard-drinking hellraiser who went from woman to woman and couldn't find peace or success. Finally, at the age of 51, he angrily watched Bing Crosby's White Christmas one last time. Then he put a gun to his head and a bullet through his brain. Lindsay once said, I hated Christmas because of Pop, and I always will. It brings back the pain and fear I suffered as a child. If I ever do myself in, it will be at Christmas time, and that will show the world what I think of Bing Crosby's White Christmas. Ironically, Lindsay was Bing Crosby's son. Because it shouldn't be like that. But all too often it is. And my hope for you for the rest of this Christmas season, the rest of this year, going into 2020, is grace and love and forgiveness, especially to those who are closest to you. And today we want to look at this example of somebody that does this exceedingly well, who exemplifies grace and love and did this at the very first Christmas 2,000 years ago. So Joseph, Joseph is, he's, he's a, he has the royal bloodline running through his veins. He's royal blood. He's a humble carpenter. He's a hardworking blue-collar guy. Just an average guy that found his wife-to-be pregnant. Now you have to remember, life was very different then. 
Life is, was, it's not like it is today. You didn't choose to fall in love. Your parents chose who you're going to marry 2,000 years ago during this time period. And uh, a Jewish wedding involved three parts to it. Three steps, you could say. The first was engagement. And did you know that you could be engaged when you're like three years old? Five years old? Ten years old? Because you got engaged because your parents said you got engaged, okay? It was a prearranged marriage. So you can get engaged sometimes when you're kids. Sometimes they waited until they're teenagers and parents found the right family. Step two would be betrothal. And this is a one-year-long um, time period. It was legally binding, and there was a public declaration between the families. Okay? A divorce to break away from this betrothal was necessary. Divorce was required, even though that they were not living together. And there was no sex. They lived apart. But to break off the betrothal, you still had to get divorced during this time period. You waited a year. They proved their faithfulness to each other. No babies. They're good. At the end of the year, there's this big parade. They go get the bride, and guess what? You get married, but part three. Now imagine Joseph. If you could just go back 2,000 years ago in your brain, imagine Joseph. Three months passed since they've been betrothed to one another. There's been this public declaration, public declaration by the parents and by them, we're getting married. And Mary maybe sent a letter to Joseph saying, Joseph, we have to meet. And I bet you Joseph's thinking, man, she's got a good, she loves me. She can't take it. She has to be with me. She's so excited to be married to me. She loves me. She's crazy about me. And then they meet together and Mary says, now Joseph, you must sit down. Because a messenger came to me. And guess what, Joseph? I'm going to have the Messiah. And I bet you Joseph's response was, what? That's amazing because I have royal blood running through my veins. Are you kidding me? This is going to be amazing. How did the angel say it's going to happen? And then Mary drops the bomb. It's already started inside of me. God placed the baby there. And I bet you that's when Joseph's demeanor changed. And I bet you Joseph said something like, do I look stupid? It's painful enough that you're sleeping around and now you have to make up some big lie? So let's look at what Joseph did. It was Matthew 1.18. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, there's a lot said that's not in this verse, right? Joseph obviously did not believe the story that Mary told him. Otherwise, he wouldn't be looking for a way to get out and break off this engagement, this betrothal. In Joseph's mind, the only logical explanation here was that Mary had been unfaithful to him. 
And I bet you Joseph felt betrayed and dishonored and humiliated and hurt. You know that many young have claimed virginal conceptions. Many young. I, um, there's actually, I know a couple down the road that live in Pomona that, that swear that they got pregnant by using the same bathtub. Now wise, that's like, I know them as a couple. Um, now wise people know better, right? As did Joseph. Joseph's whole world was shaken here. Joseph's dreams melted away into shock and betrayal and disappointment. Now I want you to know, if this is true, Mary should be stoned to death. That's the law. That's the Old Testament law according to Deuteronomy 22.21. Then Joseph's name would have been cleansed and his reputation restored. But Joseph did not, decided not to do that. Mary's life was in his hands, and Joseph was hurt, but he didn't want to have Mary punished. So he developed a plan to break off the engagement formally and legally, but to do so without explaining why. Okay? And just so you know, Joseph would have... Uh, he would have done well if he divorced her publicly for a couple different reasons. One, um, he would have been able to keep the dowry. He also would have been refunded the bride price. But guess what? He doesn't act in that way at all. He does not act in vengeance or economic gain. Here's what Joseph does. And here's what I think God's calling you and I to do with our friends and family over this Christmas holiday season. He gives up his rights, and he gives out grace. He gives up his rights, and he chooses grace to those around him. Now, Joseph's righteousness, Matthew called Joseph righteous, did not come from seeking to obey the law, which was very clear about what here, the situation, nor his pursuit of justice. Instead, Joseph's compassion and mercy led Matthew to call him righteous. The day that Joseph discovered Mary was pregnant was, up to this point, probably the worst day of his life. And this journey was not one Joseph would have taken had he, had he anticipated it. It was not a journey he wanted to take. Have you ever taken a journey like that? Have you ever helped? Felt your hopes and dreams melt away. Your expectation for what should happen is completely shifted and it all falls apart. And you're saying, God, but this is what I thought it was going to be. This is what I thought it would look like. What do I do now? And you're facing death or you're facing divorce or you're facing the worst day of your life and you just don't know what to do. Your hopes and dreams are crushed and you don't want to go on. But at that very moment, when Joseph felt his very lowest, was God was actually at work in Mary's womb, doing the greatest thing that had been done since creation. God was orchestrating the birth of the Savior. God was 
inviting Joseph to pray, play a critical role in this plan. Something amazing was about to happen, but Joseph could not see it yet. Um, in my life, and probably in yours as well, God has taken pain and disappointment and heartache, and he's used it in profound ways that only I can see in hindsight afterwards. Only I can see in hindsight. Um, and actually, y you guys, like, you guys honored my wife and I and gave us some a gift this morning. Like, and I haven't shared a lot about us laying down our church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but when we did that, I mean, it was heart-wrenching. And yet I knew it was God calling us here. I knew that I had to, I knew that I had to be obedient, and yet... I left behind friends and my family in Baton Rouge. When I say family, I'm saying church family. And it was painful. And yet I still, and this last year is that mixed bag of like, like last week there was a couple from the church that I officiated their wedding. And she was, uh, she was one of our governing board members. And it, it like, I, I still miss them, and yet at the same time, God was doing something new, and I said yes, and I pushed into that. But I couldn't see, you can't see that stuff until sometimes a year later. It's in hindsight that you're like, oh, this is what God is doing, and this is what God has done, and you can say thank you, God. But in the middle of it, it feels like pain, and it feels like disappointment, and it feels like heartache. Romans 8.28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And this is one of my favorite texts from the book of Romans. And one of the reasons why it's my one of my favorites is because it's an invitation for the church. It's an invitation for you and I. It's literally an invitation to see life differently. The world views life a certain way, but what if? What if we were invited into this invitation by God and to see things differently and to hold on to hope? Just as it all seemed to be going wrong, could it be that God is going to do something remarkable that you can't see yet in your own situation? Now, the ending of Joseph's story is about his obedience and his sacrifice to God. Um, so here we go. Here is Matthew 1, verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. So after he considered divorcing Mary, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his, his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What does Joseph do here? 
He gives up his rights and he gives out grace. Again, he gives up his rights and gives out grace. This is so powerful, guys. Joseph broke with tradition and took Mary home as his wife, even though the one-year customary um, betrothal period had not ended yet. Now this is, so today we hear that and we're like, yeah, that's great. Why? Why did he do that? So that people would assume that he's guilty. Guess what? All the fingers point towards Joseph. He's going to look like he's guilty. And he was willing to take that upon himself. By taking Mary home, it looks like he's the one that's guilty in the situation. Joseph is giving up his rights and giving out grace. They came at great, a great price. Joseph remained an object of shame in a society dominated by the value of honor. Everyone thought that Joseph was unfaithful to the Jewish marriage laws and unfaithful to God. Now up till now, Joseph, Joseph's life was completely intertwined and integrated into the religious life of his town. And yet as soon as he took Mary in, it's most likely he was no longer allowed to participate in the life of the synagogue. Not only that, um, and this is a, a small little verse that I found in uh, Mark 3, sorry, Mark 6, 3. We're told that years later, Jesus came to his hometown to teach the good news of the kingdom. And we're told here that people don't think much of Jesus. Okay? And here's what they said. They said, isn't this Jesus the carpenter, the son of Mary? Now, we don't read too much into that now, but... 2,000 years ago, if somebody said that, it meant a lot. Because in that culture, no one would refer to a man that way. He would be referred to the son of his father, even after the father passes away. And so Jesus should have been referred to as Jesus, son of Joseph. And to refer to a man as a son of only his mother would be the equivalent of calling him a word that I don't want to use right now. Okay? And what we learn from Mark 6 is that decades later, in their little village, Joseph's reputation has still not recovered from his act of love and sacrifice. Joseph gave up his rights and gave out grace at great cost for the rest of his life. My prayer for you is that you give up your rights and give out grace. Give up your rights, give out grace. Especially to your family. Give it to your dad, he's hurt you. Give it to your mom, she let you down. Give it to your brother, he's offended you. Give it to, uh, to your sister, she chose someone else over you. Give it out to your son who's ignored you. Give it out to your daughter who hasn't called you or asked for advice. Give it out to your spouse, all of the above. You should laugh at that one, that's good. Give it out to your grandmother and grandfather and your great-grandchildren and weird Uncle Frank. Give it out to them all. You guys, the world needs us to give up our rights and give out grace. They're waiting for a group of people that are willing to live this way. And the example of Joseph challenges 
all of us to give up our rights and give up grace. Love your family. This, and that includes your church family this holiday season, this Christmas season. Talk, share, pray. Invite to church. Give up your rights. Give out grace. Be used by God. Many of you made big mistakes during Thanksgiving meal. You made big mistakes. And many mistakes were made towards you. Okay? Let it go. Ask for forgiveness. And this season, love your family. Talk. Speak forgiveness. Hug a little. Love a lot. Who knows what God will do? Who knows what God will do? So let me give you a couple practical tips today. Number one. God spoke to Joseph in dreams. Joseph's dreams call him to devote the rest of his life to nurturing, mentoring, and protecting Jesus. My dreams from God seldomly come at night. They are a sense of calling that wells up inside. Are you listening for God to speak to you? And if God speaks, are you willing to obey? Listen for God's dreams and follow them. It made all the difference in Joseph's life, and it'll make all the difference in our lives as well. Be willing to listen. And let me tell you that as you listen and as you step into God's dreams for you, there will be sacrifice, just like Joseph. The road doesn't, isn't always smooth. It is rough at times. But it's but when we get through, we see a grand tapestry of God's design in our lives. Number two, give up your rights and give up grace even when somebody doesn't deserve it. It, tra- it takes strength of character and surrender of our will. Remember that God shields us from what we deserve and gives gifts that we don't deserve. Do for others out of love, not because they deserve it this season. And so the reason why I mention that is because as we are jumping into, it's not there yet. Is Somehow I duplicated it. It's not in, it, It's not up there. If you're trying to read it and follow me, it's not there. Um, but jump into our 12 days of Christmas that starts December 13th. Um, and all of that stuff, the reason why we put those there is for you to stretch you, to go beyond yourself. Okay, so so push into that. And those are things that no nobody on your, all that stuff, nobody deserves, nobody behind you in a car deserves a free drink or a free meal. But it's just grace. Okay, it's just grace. And just be that, do that this holiday season. Jump into our 12 days of Christmas. And the last one, call somebody today that you are estranged from because of past problems. Give up your rights and give up grace. Be an agent of reconciliation. Maybe even say you're sorry. Um, And this next part, I learned that when I was young, and it's opened so many doors. And if you memorize it, it'll help you in relationships. Because I've had so many times where I'm like, how do I bring up a really difficult situation? And any time that the other person is socially aware at all, has any level of emotional IQ at all, 
it opens up a conversation. And here's what it is. I'm sorry. I've held bitterness in my heart towards you. I ask that you forgive me. And you know what that does? It opens up something inside the other person. If they're aware at all, they will say, what did I do? Let's talk about that. I'm sorry. Right? So it opens up and facilitates a conversation. And so I want to encourage you, call somebody today. Don't let things just go. Okay? Give up your rights. Give out grace this holiday season. Okay. Well, why don't you guys stand with me? Why don't we have our ministry team come? We're going to sing one last song. And I think the Holy Spirit wants to touch some of you this morning in a very clear, specific way. I need to give up my rights and give up grace. And you even think of a couple people in your head, or maybe you're responding normally by the opposite of that. And so today's the day the Holy Spirit's highlighting it's time to give up your rights and give up grace, even when the other person doesn't deserve it, right? Or maybe you're here and you just need patience. I think God wants to do that in your heart. If you're here today and you need to work through forgiveness, come get some prayer. Work that out. Let the Holy Spirit do something, stir something in you. Or maybe you're thinking about going home for the holidays, or the holidays are coming towards you and you just need peace. We'd love to pray that for you. And here's some things that came up in our Refreshing. Two, um, you need, faith needs to be revived in you. We'd love to pray for that. Uh, three, stand firm. You need to hold your ground and stand firm in this season. The enemy's trying to take you out. You need 